This shir is sponsored in memory of Mr. Gerald Moskowitz all by his family. Okay. I want to tell you a few things about, first about Dvarim, the book of Dvarim. The book of Dvarim easily uh, reflects the greatest tragedy in human existence. Because it's about the inability of Moshe Rabbeinu to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish. He leaves the world he, Moshe Rabbeinu, leaves the world knowing that in certain key matters he was a failure. Uh, for example, the next parasha, Vetchanan, Moshe Rabbeinu is reduced to begging God to let him just see or go into Eretz Israel for a moment. Uh, the answer is no. He the person who led B'nai Israel from Mitzrayim, who promised them entree into Eretz Israel, who created that dream for them. It's true that Eretz Israel was given to us by Kodesh Baruch Hu, but the dream started with Moshe Rabbeinu. The march started from Moshe Rabbeinu. And he was unable, he, Moshe Rabbeinu, was unable to convince the Rebbeinah that he should be allowed access to his dream. Uh, so that Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu also, at the end of the book of Tverim, says, look, I know that it's going to be bad, that you're going to talk to B'nai Yisrael, that you're going to be influenced by and accepting of Avodah Zarah. You're going to fall prey to idolatry. And that the Egel Azahav, so to speak, the golden calf, and the fact that you didn't want to follow me to Eretz Israel, those things are going to follow you in the history of Am Yisrael and Eretz Israel. Now that's got to be a tragedy. The third tragedy is found at the beginning of the, the third tragedy I want to mention is found at the beginning of the parish of Tavarim. But before we talk about the, the nature of that tragedy, I want you to look at the psukim that are on the top of the sheet. Doesn't that sound like a tragedy? Right? I can't, I can't bear you anymore. I can't carry you around. I will not be able now this is reflective of the discussion you remember that Moshe Rabbeinu had with Yitro remember Yitro he came and Yitro said Yitro said you can't do this you're going to you're going to wither away you can't be the only judge and so Moshe Rabbeinu so he said look you've got to have judges so Moshe Rabbeinu accepted that he accepted that directive from Yitro and of course, the question, the question is why? I mean, what, what is so clever about figuring out that if you work 24 hours a day and you don't finish, you need somebody to help you? I mean, what, where is the innate cleverness there? What was Yitro's advantage in pointing this out to Moshe Rabbeinu? So we, I think I mentioned in the past that Yitro 
Yitro said to Moshe Rabbeinu, you can't do this, you've got to appoint other judges. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, well, I know that, but the other judges will not be like me. When I tell the people to do something or to refrain from doing something, I'm telling them the word of God. And the other judges are not telling them exactly what God said because they don't have access to it. So Yitro said, okay, retrain the Jewish people. Make sure the Jewish people understand that they're going to exist after the death of Moshe Rabbeinu. I see that also as being a tragedy. But here at the beginning of the volume, Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't mention uh, doesn't mention Yitro. He speaks as though it was his own idea, and it could be that that's really what happened. That Moshe Rabbeinu had knew that he had to do it, and Yitro was kind of a little push. You know, when, when it became so obvious to everybody that there was no other choice. But here, at the beginning of Dvarim, Moshe Rabbeinu says, Lo I can't bear you. I can't alone. I can't bear you alone. And what, what's the, what is the issue? Hashem Elokechem Hibayetchem Vinchem Hayom Shamayim Larot. There's just too many of you. There's so many of you that... Uh, I mean, it became like like Israel, right? In Israel, you have to go to a Beit Mishpat in order to recover some uh, some lost property or some other issue. It could take years until your case comes up. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, there are too many of you. And then, Pasuk Yudal HaVashem, Elokei Avotechem, Yosef Elokei Avotechem, Elif Pahamim, V'yivarech Etchem, so Moshe Rabbeinu mentions the promise that was made to Avram Avinu of progeny. Be a, you should have more and more. I don't think I'm coming to say that we should restrict or we should impose birth control on all the people in Israel so that I can maintain my position. No. Grow. Be, be multiplied. But I can't do it by myself. And then Moshe Rabbeinu repeats what he has already said, right? Lo That's what he said in Pasuk Tet. Now Moshe Rabbeinu said, Eicha esalavadi tochachem uma saachem v'rivchem. So Moshe Rabbeinu changes it. It's not just the number of people that is preventing him from executing his duties but it's negative traits that he was unable to usurp from the community. The community is a community of negativity. And we'll see what this negativity is, but before, there's the next pasuk. Eicha Right, that pasuk which begins with the word Eicha. Now you all know that the parish of Barim is always Shabbat Chazon. Shabbat Chazon is the Shabbat before Tisha B'Av. Tisha B'Av doesn't fall out on Shabbat, and if it does, it's pushed, to, it's pushed off to Sunday. So, Shabbat Chazon is the Shabbos before uh, Tisha B'Av. And the Shabbos before Tisha B'Av, the Shabbos before Tisha B'Av is, uh, is a little bit of Tisha B'Av. If you look in the Shulchan Aruch, the Shulchan Aruch says, well, you know, 
What about the Shabbos before uh, Tishavah? There's a famous machloket about the Shabbos before Tishavah. If you can wear Shabbos clothes, or you have to wear regular clothes. Uh, generally speaking, we all wear Shabbos clothes, but we try, try not to overdo it. Right? Try not overdo it. I know a rabbi who all year long on Shabbos wears uh, he buttons his shirt that's his step down on Shabbat Chazon uh, cufflinks by the way are very popular in the yeshiva world you know because in, in the world where you can't change too many items of what you wear right so it turns out the glasses the belt the cover that's all you can do so they keep changing them around. <laughs> so the minhag is, if you look at the Chumash, if you look at the Chumash Rishon, the first Aliyah ends at Pasuk Yudbet. Right? Ends at Yud, Pasuk Yudbet, and therefore the second Aliyah should start from Pasuk Yudbet. And that's how it appears in all the Chumashim and all the, in all the Tikkunim. That's how it is. But if you remember, or if you don't remember, you could go to Shul. And if the, the, the second Aliyah begins with Pasuk Yud Aleph. In other words, you've already read Pasuk Yud Aleph. You read Pasuk Yud Aleph and stopped at the end of Pasuk Yud Aleph. The second Aliyah starts a Pasuk Yud Aleph again. And apparently the reason for that is because we don't want to say Eicha so prominently like we do on, on Tish Abba'ah, right? All the Prakim of, let's say one, all the Prakim of, uh, of Eicha begin with the word Eicha. Right? They, they, or, or several of the prophets begin with the word Echad, which gives the word tremendous prominence in relationship to Tish Abba'ah. So we know on Shabbos, we don't want to do that. We want to like swallow it up a little bit and make sure that, uh, that it's not, that you saw, you hear the word, but it's not the first word of the Aliyah, which was apparently an older Tradition, like people were a little less nervous about saying Eicha on Shabbat. So this statement, Eicha Esalivadi, has been interpreted, has been interpreted by this minhag. You know, like a minhag is also an interpretation, it's a way of looking at things. So the minhag is that this word Eicha represents a tremendous tragedy. Just as the word Eicha and Migilat Eicha represents the tragedy of the destruction of the Temple and Yerushalayim, right, right in 586 BCE in the hands of the Babylonians, there's this tremendous tragedy. So, so now we know that when Moshe Rabbeinu said, said these words, Eicha Esalevadi, how will I be able to carry this alone? It was a tremendous tragedy. Because, after all, Moshe Rabbeinu did carry everything alone. Moshe Rabbeinu did everything alone. He had no partners in the work that he did. He always was able to salvage Am Yisrael for HaKadosh Baruch. He was always able to do that. He brought them up to the Jordan River. And that's where he died. So when Moshe Rabbeinu says, Eicha Salavadi, it's got to be seen 
it's got to be seen as a tragedy. And this is the first tragedy that is reflected in the book of Devarim. The first tragedy where Moshe Rabbeinu looks at himself and he said, I'm a f- I can't do it. I have failed. I have failed. Eicha esalubadi. Just as Yumiyahu Hanavi, Yumiyahu Hanavi, seeing the destruction of the temple, said, Eicha Yashvabadah. And Eicha became in Hebrew. Like the, the word Eicha is, means, I have a question, but I know that there's no answer. Right? Eicha Yashvabadah. What's, what's the question? We know what the question is. We have uh, uh, we've sinned. We've denied God's authority. We've rejected God's position. Obviously, because it's the appropriate punishment. But even if I recognize the fact that I'm used there are certain it's a question. I recognize the fact that we deserve it. I still can't understand it. I, I can't understand it. I mean, how could God abandon God's place? How could God uh, leave the place designated in the world for the presence of God, the Beit HaMikdash? I mean, I, I know we deserve it, but I still don't understand it. And since you have this conflict, right, between I know that I deserve it and, and, and I still don't understand it, because I, I know there's no answer. I know there's no answer. You know, uh, he didn't ask in an accusative way. He didn't say, God is not just, or God is not proper or right, or, the, or, or, or doing the proper thing. He didn't say anything like that. He said, I just don't understand. So, when Moshe Rabbeinu, if it's the same Echa, as the Minhat seems to say, when Moshe Rabbeinu said, Echa is Salavadi, what did he mean? What did, what did Moshe Rabbeinu mean? He meant, he, he meant, I just don't know what happened. It's, it's beyond my control. I can't, I mean, beyond my control doesn't mean right now. It means in the future. It means in all Jewish history. It was Moshe Rabbeinu who took responsibility. He was the one who set us on the path. He's the one who taught us the Torah. He's the one who brought us to where we are. Eicha esalavadi. It's like Moshe Rabbeinu is looking into the future and saying, I know that this is not going to succeed. At least not the way I want it to succeed. It's not that we're going to be able to now come to Eretz Israel and stay in Eretz Israel. But we're going to be punished. And we're going to be denied access to that place. So the minhag, the minhag is that the word Eicha, at the beginning of the parasha of Tzvarim, is equal to, the same as, the word Eicha in the beginning of Megillat Eicha. Right? It's the same. The same word. And just as Eicha represents a question that cannot be answered. You know, you could argue in the, in the Megillah, in the Megillah, that the answer is in the last uh, the sort of answer is in the last paragraph of Yilav Eicha which starts with the word Zachor Zachor Hashem Mehayalam but that's not really a guarantee 
Right? It's it's a hope. It's a prayer. It's it's something that might happen, but might also not happen. Now let's look at that at that pasuk. Um, where Moshe Rabbeinu says, "Hashem Yud Aleph, Hashem Elokei Avotechem Yosef Alechem Kachem Elof Amim." So that's the beginning of Shani. When we lay in Shul, we start from that Pasuk. Always confuses the kids who are laying in Because the, it doesn't really make sense at the outset. Because in every Siddur, Shani starts in Pasuk Yudbet. Every Chumash, Shani starts in Pasuk Yudbet. So now, Echa Salavadi. What was it that Moshe Rabbeinu was complaining about? What specifically? Masachem, Berichem. So Torah means, um, well, you know, it, it's difficult. There's a difficulty. Uh, and the second word is Masachem, like carrying you, the burden of Am Yisrael. And Rivchem, of course, means you're fighting it, you're quarreling. And of course, this comes at the end of. Uh, the book of Bamidbar, right? The beginning of the Barim is at the end. It comes after the end of Bamidbar, and Bamidbar is uh, is the book of quarreling with Moshe Rabbeinu, right? The, the major quarrels of Korach and uh, and Zimri and Bilam, right? These are major major attacks on the authority of Moshe Rabbeinu, and then there were minor attacks. You know, people wanted to eat or they wanted to drink and it was you know attack after attack after attack so what is it that Moshe Rabbeinu is talking about here so if you look at the, the Rashi Pasuk Yudbet Eicha Esa Levati no if you look uh, I'm sorry look at Pasuk Tet right Pasuk Tet says the first version Right, you see that? The first, the first version, I cannot bear you. I cannot bear you. You know, you know when Moshe Rabbeinu said that? He said that to Kodesh Baruch Moshe Rabbeinu prayed to Kodesh Baruch to save Am Yisrael after the Chaita Egel. In Ketiv, Se'et. Right, if... God is willing to bear the burden. The same, in other words, Moshe Rabbeinu had no doubt that God could bear Am Yisrael even though they built the golden calf. But he, Moshe Rabbeinu, says, I'm not able to. Lo Now look at the Rashi and our text. Lo Uchalavadi. See Rashi? Rashi he does it for us. He says, Ashar, is it possible? Shemoya Moshe at Israel. Could it be that all of a sudden Moshe Rabbeinu decided he couldn't judge Bene Yisrael, Adam, Shotziyami Mitzrayim, Bitarala Emetayam, Borid et Haman, Vegiz et Aslav, Loyachoyachol, Ledunam? Moshe Rabbeinu? I mean, look what he did. Took them out of Mitzrayim, he brought the Torah, the Slav, you know, it, it, like, uh, it's all Rashi says, Rashi says, Yachol, the verb Yachol, I'm able or I'm not able, 
is dependent on something else. I mean, how do you know that somebody's able? I know somebody's able to get a job or to do something that he's never done before. Well, you say, what have you done? What have you done? So if you've done great things, so you do more great things. That's a kind of a, a hidden assumption in uh, in employee employer relationships. You know, you always hire the person who's great. You know, it doesn't matter what he's great in, right? That's why you know if you go to college, you play football or something. Because uh, if you're great at football, so you'll be great at anything. It doesn't make any difference. So that's what Rashi says. He says, how did Moshe Rabbeinu say it about himself? That no chalavadisa eidetchem. You have to look what he did. He did everything. He says, elatach amar lahem. This is what Moshe Rabbeinu said. Hashem elokechem hirbaetchem ekdiu veirim etchem avayanechem he says, look what happened in our system, in the system of Jewish law, that if the Dayan is mistaken, if he awards the money to Ruvet mistakenly, that he becomes obligated to pay that mistaken, that mistaken psaq. Right? And this is clearly stated by Shlomo Abelech. So, what does that mean? I'm not any longer certain that I can, I, I will not make a mistake, that everything will come out perfect, perfectly. Uh, is it possible that the person about whom it is written by Adam, he was cleverer, smarter, more capable than the other person that Shlomo Amelech Omer Miu Chalishvot that Shlomo Amelech is the one who says I won't be able to judge the, the people and Lakachamar Shlomo Ein Dayanei Umazo Ki The judges of Am Yisrael are different than the judges of other nations, Shimdan, the Horeg, Umake, the Chonech, Chonek, Umate, Edino, the Gozel, It's like those movies, you know? Movies seem to have a recollection, you know, like Judge Dredd, you know, it's kind of, kind of idea that they're bad guys, you know, judges, and they're bad guys who, uh, who, they're corrupt. They're corrupt judges. Even in Israel, we've had a few uh, things that shouldn't happen. Sheindan v'horegu makeh v'chonech v'makeh et dino v'gozel ein v'kach klum. The other nations say that the judge is above conscience. He's above responsibility. Ein v'kach klum. Ani... If I give up, if I paskin incorrectly about dine namamot, about a financial matter, then I am accused, I am, uh, I am judged and killed for that. He says, There's a possible Mishle that seems to indicate as much, but that's not what's important. What's important is that, that Rashi, Rashi changes 
the idea in the in the pasuk, whereas in the pasuk it says quite clearly, it says quite clearly that Moshe Rabbeinu was worried about the load of of cases that he would have to deal with, right? That there's so many people. Whereas according to Rashi, Rashi says no, Moshe Rabbeinu was worried about making the mistake. Moshe Rabbeinu is worried about making mistakes. So that means that Moshe Rabbeinu, the person who received the Torah, the person who taught the Torah to B'nai Israel, he ends like his final exit from the world is this concern that he's going to make a mistake and be and be chayav and and uh, will be judged as guilty. This pasuk continues in pasuk Yudet, where Moshe Rabbeinu says in Parashat Avadi. If you look at the Rashi. He says, How will I dare all these arguments and discussions and different opinions? After all, I am representing God. So that if you beat me down, as Korach almost did, and as Bilam always did, you're beating down the word of God. It's better that I should not be, that I should not be a judge or your judge on that basis. Now let's look at the three words, Torachem. Torachem, Torach is a Torach, uh, Torach. What's a good English word for Torach? Forget it. Torach means uh, a difficulty. Right, there's some kind of, kind of problem. Torachem, difficulties that you produce. Moshe Rabbeinu talks about Israel. He says, "Moshe, Shayu Yisrael Tarchanim." They created difficulties. Haya echad mehem ro'eh et ba'al bino nitzach b'di. One would see where the other litigate, and the other one would win. So he would say, "Omer yeshli edim l'avi." So he would say, well, I have more witnesses that I can bring. And that way prolonged the judgment, prolonged what, whatever was going on. I have more proof. So that means that obligates the Beitin to sit once again and to listen to the new evidence. Mosif ani aleichem dayanim. So that's called tircha. So what does tircha mean? What does Tircha mean according to Rashi? That the people have learned how to play the system. Right? There was the system which is supposed to protect the good guys and punish the bad guys. Or actually also the system which is supposed to clarify. Sometimes two people come to the Beit Din and they, they both really think that they're right. And the Beit Din is supposed to clarify that to them and explain to them who is right and who is, who is wrong. Instead, the Beit Din became a bottleneck. So like, 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 how does it work? Moshe Rabbeinu receives the Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu knows more Torah than anybody else, so people come to him to a judgment. And then all of a sudden, Moshe Rabbeinu said, I can't judge, because there's no end to it. Because they play the system. They're not interested in what I have to say. Tragedy? I think so. I think it's truly a tragedy. Torchachem. That's Torachem. Masachem. Rashi says, Mulamecha, you are Picorsi. Mulamecha, you are Picorsi. 
Now the word apikarsim is not a word that appears in the Torah, but it's a word that appears in the Gemara. It's a word. And apikaris is a person who doesn't believe. What doesn't he believe, according to the Mishnah? Doesn't believe in Torah Abin Doesn't believe in Torah Abin What do you mean you don't believe in Torah Abin I we're not talking about people who've left the Jewish fold. People who've gone off and spun away. We're talking about people who who are apikarsim. Apikarsim means they don't accept the authority of the Torah of the Torah and the interpretation of the Torah. So it means what is Moshe Rabbeinu? He's the Torah and the interpretation of the Torah. That's what he is. So if you come to Moshe Rabbeinu for a psak, but in principle you don't respect the notion of psak, then what's the what does it work? What is this whole the whole thing work? So Rashi says, Mulamaja, you have to Moshe So when Moshe Rabbeinu got up to leave to leave the court, they would say, Mara Aben Amram Latzeit, how come he's leaving? Shema Eino Shafui Betokba Beito. Maybe there's some problem that he has to deal with in his house. Icher Latzeit, that's if he got up and left early. If he got up late, Amrum Mara Aben Amram Shalom Latzeit, how come he didn't leave early this time like he did last time? Ma ten svurim, yoshev yoetz alechem etzot raot, v'choshev alechem machshavot. Okay, I mean, I don't think that this is an obvious problem. But they say maybe Moshe Rabbeinu. You know what they did was they said like, what's he doing? What's he doing? How come he left early? How come he stayed late? How come he changes the way he does things from one session to the next? Well, maybe. Maybe he's really thinking about other things. Maybe he's thinking about the people that he's dealing with. He's not thinking about the Torah. He's not thinking about what the meaning or what meaning the Torah gives to this particular situation. Finally, the last thing is Berif Chem. Rognim is a, a Hebrew word that appears in the Chumash uh, the, the, after the, uh, the Miraglet came back, they, people were screaming and crying, and that's this word, Rognim. So you see that, that Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, he's saying it this time, like his opening remark, his opening remark is that I cannot serve as the judge of Am Yisrael because of Torachem, Maschem, and Masachem, and Rivchem that prevents me from serving as the interpreter or the, 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 the passer down of Torah because you've beaten me you've been a Israel, you've beaten me you, the, the judgment is not a judgment or it's not an accepted judgment or it's, it's a held up a denial by uh, with the notion of Rabbi Korosut and this, I say, is the great tragedy of Moshe Rabbeinu. And, and it's the tragedy that B'nai Yisrael always have to, um, to come back. We always, throughout history, have to deal with the fact that we, we don't have obvious uh, Torah leadership. It, it, it's hard for us 
to figure out who the leadership actually is. And you see that it's so hard that in Israel today, the leadership, Torah leadership, became politicized. It's, it's, uh, it's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling that such a, to me, I don't say mind-boggling, this needs to be mind-boggling for you, but it's mind-boggling to me right, that, that uh, Torah leadership is distinguished by the kind of yamuka that the leader wears. I mean, who could have ever imagined such a thing in the, in the former, gen- the previous generations? I don't, I don't think there was that. Of course there were rabbis that you liked and rabbis that you didn't like, but it wasn't political. It wasn't like if you grew up in a certain neighborhood, then you could only be the rabbi for that neighborhood. You could only be a posek for that neighborhood, but you couldn't be a posek for another neighborhood. That, that, that's a new idea uh, for which we have, um, there's no basis. But you see that Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu is expressing, at least according to Rashi's interpretation, I think also the, the interpretation of this minhag, the minhag which is uh, uh, that we, we don't start with the pasuk that says Echa, right? There's a that minhag is a very powerful minhag, and even though even though it's not really based on anything at all, just the way people felt about it, it's not it's not something in the Shulchan Aruch. It's just the way we do it, and nobody questions it. I mean, there's no no one who questions the fact that we start a pasuk earlier when we when we read the the Torah because we want to cover up the nature of the tragedy of Moshe Rabbeinu because when we talk about tragedies of great heroes then we're always concerned that this will recur again and again and become part of part of our ongoing ongoing struggle which I think it it actually did become so that for Moshe Rabbeinu the final arena I mean he beat down Bilam and he beat down Korah and it, it was, it's hard to imagine how Moshe Rabbeinu put up with it. You know, I mean, after all, Moshe Rabbeinu, he, he, it's not because he didn't like the fight or he didn't think, you, but after all, what was Moshe Rabbeinu's job? Moshe Rabbeinu's job was to teach people that there was Tov and Ra, and that the Tov was contained in the Torah, and that he, Moshe Rabbeinu, had the authority and the, and the uh, uh, opportunity to teach them what the tov of the Torah was, and he saw it slip sliding away. Right during the forty years in the desert, there was one thing after another which questioned Moshe Rabbeinu's authority. So you think back and you say, "Well, how could anybody question Moshe Rabbeinu's authority?" I mean, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. There was no other authority, but apparently. Apparently, we remember Korach. He came with these uh, uh, blue shawls, and he asked Moshe Rabbeinu if, if uh, you needed scissors more than one strand of blue, uh, because you had the whole the whole coat was blue. So what what was Korach saying? Korach was saying that Moshe Rabbeinu is not the final authority. He's not the final authority. We can be the we can be the final authority. We have something to say. Bilam, Bilam brought brought to the forefront. Forget I forget now about the content of what Bilam said. 
But Bilaam represented a false prophecy which became uh, a, a great danger for Am Yisrael. It was tremendous, and, and Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't stop it. When Zimri and Cosby, uh, Zimri uh, and Cosby were, were having relations with each other, Moshe Rabbeinu was stupefied. Couldn't do anything. He needed Pinchas. He needed Pinchas to carry out the halacha because Moshe Rabbeinu knew that if he would go and kill Zimri, people wouldn't say it was a halacha. They would say it was Moshe Rabbeinu's jealousy of alternative leadership. And that's why Pinchas had to kill him. Because when Pinchas killed him, he said it's a halacha. Remember, that's the halacha. So that the book of Bamidbar is a book that represents uh, one thing after the other tragedies that took place in the life of Moshe Rabbeinu. Tragedy meaning he was prevented from accomplishing what he wanted to accomplish. And that tragedy is reflected in Parashat Tvarim, where Moshe Rabbeinu starts out talking about Bateidin, and Bateidin not so much because that's the most efficient or effective way to do it, as Yitro said, but Bateidin because the, it just wasn't working. Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't do it, he couldn't put his message across. It's it's absolutely a remarkable idea, but it's right here. It's in the in the Chumash. So that the book of Zvarim, as I mentioned before, is the book that describes the great tragedy of Moshe Rabbeinu. If you look through the book of Zvarim at all the the uh, times that Moshe Rabbeinu is involved, is acting, is doing something, you see again and again the tragedy that Moshe Rabbeinu, I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu knew <coughs> that he was not successful. He knew that he did not produce a nation that would be innocent of exile, that would not follow Yaakov Avinu into exile, but would stay in Eretz Israel. He was not able to produce that result, but he himself knew that Am Yisrael would become a subject through exile after exile after exile, and as a result, as a result, would never, uh, would not be able during that period of exile, would never be able to take advantage of the gift of uh, of Eretz Israel. Have a good Shabbos.